You're about to listen to the amazing Trek Off podcast, but did you know there's also an amazing Trek Off movie in production right now? Watch the trailer at trekoffmovie.com. That's trekoffmovie.com. Also, if you want to hear over 100 hours of Trek Off, you can find that at trekoffpodcast.com or search Trek Off in your iTunes or your pod feed or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Search for Trek Off. Finally, you can find lots more podcasts at Geeks Radio, the home of Trek Off podcast. Who Garrett and RJ go to Hollywood Ninjas versus you all at geeksradio.com. Now enjoy Trek Off. Warning the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. It's time for Trek Off Enterprise Double D. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And today we yeah, are, uh, um, we're only going to have you for a minute. I'm gonna, I know, for like a hot second. You're gone. No more you. Um, so uh, so this is going to be. Which is uh, sad because you know how much I love who you're not going to talk to. <laughs> um, uh, after, uh, after making you guys wait days and days and days. Uh, for us to do a show, we figured it'd be a great idea to give you two shows smack dab in a row. Uh, so we make you wait 20 days. This time we only make you wait two. Uh, so, uh, so, see, so we, we, we take it and we, we give it right. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we get going, uh, uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, I'll probably be posting it Saturday, which means you got 48 hours to get your tickets at uh, Discovery Times Square to see us perform live in Manhattan, New York. Right, uh, Times so, Square, bitches! Come on, yeah, that's, yeah. If we can make it's it like there, a big deal and we shit, can make right? it anywhere. Really, is what the song says. <laughs> that is, is what, what the I song understand. says. That's my understanding as well. Um. So, uh. So you were talking last episode about uh about watching DS9 and about it getting cut off. What exactly is the last thing that you saw? Um, I'm trying to. Th- I feel like the last thing that I saw was actually fascination. I think. Oh no. Yeah. Which isn't a great one. No, no, I skip it. (laughs) Do you actually skip it? (laughs) I'm at a point now where I I wouldn't have skipped it the first three or four times through, but I'm doing another time through and like, eh. Okay, sure. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I have watched it only one time all the way through. So it was only my second time seeing that particular episode. I mean, it's not um, shit. I mean, it's no, not like, but it's like, like, I can see what you mean. And it being not quite the same no. as like, for instance, a good example is, and I don't know if this actually, maybe this was the last episode or maybe this was before fascination. I think this was before fascination when um he has to save Kira, but it's not really Kira. Oh, it's one of the founders. Yeah, Heart of Stone. You that's, know what? Like, I, contrasted with that, like that's such a, a heavy hitting episode. Here's the thing. People hate Heart of Stone. People think Heart of Stone really? is shitty. Um, really? Here's the thing. There are, I don't think that it is uh, Nana Visitor's finest hour in terms of acting, uh, which I don't blame her for because she's in a terrible looking rock. Um, but uh, it's so saved by and she is an she does an amazing job in plenty of other episodes so she is more than enough opportunity to redeem herself uh but the episode to me i find renee abishnois performance that's just so, amazing so stunning yeah um, he's so uh, great and the twist at the end is satisfying enough that i'm willing to look past the fact that yeah the rock looks kind of shitty and she's having a hard time acting in the rock I guess that stuff doesn't even occur to me because, like, you know how I don't care about, like, the, you know, CG or the whatever. You know what I mean? So, like, the shitty rock, like, doesn't even have an effect on me. You know, I love the original series. You know what I, I mean? The so, like, knowledge gotten to, I think when I saw it, I really liked it. And then the meta knowledge when people are like, yeah, fuck that episode. A little bit of me is like, yeah, okay, yeah, fuck it. Um, but <laughs> I just, it just so, it just so happens that I watched that episode this week. Interesting. That I just watched Heart of Stone. So, we're in very similar places. It's a, it's a, um, I think it's a great episode. I think you get to see, so like, if anything, the thing that I would say that makes me upset is that I, I was like, finally, like, we get to see that there's this, that he loves her, you know, like, and he admits it to her and you're like, yeah, like, at least for me, right? Because I'm rooting for them. Like, I know that you've got Brile and whatnot, and that's fine. But like, I'm rooting for that relationship, obviously. So like, when what's up with, what, where you are right now, what's up with Vedic Brile? 
Um, I guess I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, fascination. Like, so they're still together. Like, fascination is after Heart of Stone, right? So, like, they're together or whatever. And and, and to be clear, it's not that I don't like Burial. Um, I do, but it's that Odo is just he's so lovable, and yeah. especially like I mean, I challenge you to not get you know fuck just not smile when you see him smile because it's the cutest thing ever like i'm serious like there's just you'd have to have a heart of stone to not so like um i'm just saying so like watching that episode and seeing like because i think there was an episode a few before that like when he's like helping um cisco like make jambalaya or something and he's stirring this bowl and then he's so dedicated and it's the kids adorable and even kira she's like you just it's just you look so cute you know like i just really wanted them to get together so like heart of stone for me is this episode where he finally like from my perspective right like i always sort of feel everything as if it's you know new i don't know how i do that but i do so like i'm like oh he told her and then they can be together because they're gonna figure this out you know what i mean and then you find out that it's all bullshit and it's like oh all right so um so (laughs) i i i i just i i haven't paying attention last couple words you said because i went and looked about where you were um how what's going on with brile you just watched heart of stone right you just watched that yeah, yeah. Did, did you watch the episode before that? You mean the one where he doesn't become the, the Kai? Is that um, the one before that? No, the one where the the it's called life support. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's also one of those heavy hitting episodes. You know the the one where he dies. Yeah, I think what happened is I was really upset watching that episode, and. I may not have finished the very end of it and like Netflix thought that I had. So like it skipped Uh-oh. to the next one. Yeah. Here's, like- here's, so here's the thing about Burial. I got to admit, I am not a Burial fan. He always strikes, strikes me as just being a, being a little creepy. <laughs> like there's really, see, I was really upset when he wasn't Kai like that. And I, what, at and that then, point I was upset, but it's just the way, I think it's the actor's way of delivering lines that he just kind of, I don't think his character is creepy, but the the line delivery has always been just a, a little used car salesman ish, and they they play that up. I think that the the producers know it because there is a point later in the series where the actor does something else, and it's interesting. Um, but I never uh, felt that way about him. That's interesting. Like I always felt like he had sort of um, a quality. Like, like I talk about, like Kyle Paca, like how she's just so. She's like everything a religious leader should be. Do you See, know what I mean? Like, I think on one hand, I'm glad he's dead because I want her to get to Odo. But on the other hand, I know that means Shakar is coming. And I don't like Shakar at all. Oh, I don't like Shakar. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think he should jump back into the candle and have sex with Beverly Crusher. That's what I think he needs to do. Um, I don't, oh, is that I just, who it is? it's the same actor. Yeah. Um, so listen, I don't, I don't want to, yeah, I definitely I, want her to be with Odo, but like, so I guess I feel the same way. Like I like Burial and it's like, couldn't they just break up though? Like, does he have to die? <laughs> like, no, he's, he's, he's good bile. Um, so, <laughs> wow, so, dude. so, um, he's fictional. Sorry, not too I'm, soon. And that was like 20 years ago. Soon, dude. It's too that, fucking soon. It was 20 years ago. Um, do whatever so uh so listen uh you're gonna jump ship and uh i'm gonna do this interview here with uh with uh someone we know uh a friend of the show um someone we love uh, um and i, w- I want to say before i do anything uh these guys are uh they're part of the starship farragut uh they were incredibly kind to us when we shot uh on their set for the movie that uh that we're about to get heavy into editing in uh this fall i mean yeah like just um, let me have the lady um, boner all over that set so yeah. um so and you'll be able to see it next year um because she totally <laughs> she actually grows a penis and it has an erection <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of disturbing it's amazing i might have to cut it out to get the r rating i'm just saying uh so uh, um, but seriously, uh, penises aside, um, uh, go on Kickstarter. Look up Starship Farragut. They're doing a Kickstarter campaign. It's about to end. They, yeah, they've met their goal. And you're going to go, oh, they met their goal. I don't feel like I need to donate. But Guess you, what? You still should. Guess what? You donate. Maybe they build more of the, more of the bridge. Maybe they yeah, build man. more of the exact replica. Um, when we went, the bridge was only three quarters of the way done. Like you, When you see where we are, we are, it looks like we're on the bridge. But what we were watching was just a room that looked like a warehouse. 
um, they have completed the bridge. Um, that's what they're doing. Um, and they're shooting it and they're making what you watched when you were a kid come alive again. So, so give them shoot- more, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't just see that they've made their goal and like, Go oh, on oh, they're fine. Right they're- it's really easy. Looks up Starship Farragut, F-A-R-R-A-G-U-T. Um, look it up. But ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Uh, we have two very dear friends to trek off. Uh, one I've known uh, very well and for a long time. Um, and one I just got to know last year. Uh, we've been able to play in each other's playgrounds, uh, which is great in that uh, uh, the one that I've known for a long time has uh, has featured in two of my films. Three, actually, if you count the, the Trek off movie. Um, and the other has uh, has been part of a set and a crew that is also featured in the Trek off movie. And likewise, uh, I have had the opportunity to direct a small snippet of, of their world. So uh, ladies and gentlemen from starship Farragut, I would like to introduce John Broughton and Paul Sieber. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, welcome. Hi, Paul. Did we lose Paul already? No, I'm still here. Hi. Oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, he's like, I hear John, and now Paul's not there. Um, no, I'm, I'm, you, you can't get rid of me that easy, even though you try. Really? No, I would never say that out loud. Um, so uh, I, I want to go back, because this is, uh, we've been able to talk to you, Paul, a little bit, but I want to I wanna talk to John about this. Um well, tell us first of all before we do anything else the big reason that we're getting this done and getting this done tonight and getting out what are you doing right now for Starship Farragut that the world needs to know about we are working on a crowdfunding campaign through Kickstarter to raise money for our, our film that we're going to be uh, filming next month called The Crossing and uh, this is part of Starship Farragut. Um, take me back, John, uh, and some of the story people have heard before uh, with Paul's interviews, but take me back to, uh, to why. I mean, of all the things you can do, um, uh, what makes you decide to do uh, not just a Star Trek fan film, but a Star Trek fan film set in the original series, but a spinoff of the original? What, what, where does that come from? Where does that inspiration come from? Uh, tell us the story. Well, it, it comes from, I guess, first of all, the love of classic Trek. So we love this this show that was done almost 50 years ago. Um, it's very nostalgic. It's got a lot of magic and heart to it. And we want to replicate it. We want to see more of classic Trek. But a lot of us do not want to see anyone else but William Shatner play Captain Kirk, Leonard Nimoy play Mr. Spock, and DeForest Kelly play DeForest Kelly, and so on. We feel that... You know, Starfleet was nothing more than a space navy. There's all these ships that are patrolling space, exploring space. We've just taken the premise of of Starfleet and essentially created a backdrop, a whole new universe around the Farragut. We took one of the ships, one of the 12 or 13 Constitution-class starships that was canon in the original series, the Farragut, um, which coincidentally um, Kirk served as a lieutenant and is referenced in the Obsession episode. And we, we've got a, a new captain, a new crew, a new, um, essentially a new ship, I mean, not really a new ship, but a ship that we're telling new stories about classic Trek. So it's original storytelling. We try to stay away from everything that's IP, the intellectual property of Star Trek. So we don't use the Enterprise Delta. We don't use the word Star Trek. We, um, we um, stay clear of all the trademarked characters and we're, essentially dabbling in the Star Trek universe, but doing original content. And Paul, how did you become associated with, with this group? Because uh, I know that John is, uh, is here in the D.C. area, as are you. A lot of the group is down in Florida. How does that all happen? You know, I, I actually um, uh, first met John on a Star Trek forum uh, for people that were doing, I believe it was for Starship Exeter. And um, I started, you know, chatting with him on the forum, and I thought, like, hey, this guy's local. He lives in this area, too. And he goes, hey, I'm interested in starting my own show. And I'm like, dude, you've got to count me in. I want to get in on this, you know. This is a guy right around the corner from me, it turns out, who we both had the same kind of interest in uh, trying to see if we could bring Star Trek back, um, you know, it, but, but with a twist. 
And um, so as soon as I found that out, I hooked up with John, and, uh, you know, as, as the expression goes, the rest is history. Uh, John, uh, clearly you have a love of, uh, of childhood Trek, and uh, my understanding, and not just my understanding, but I know this, I'm just saying my understanding because I'm filling space with words, um, is that you play, you play the captain uh, of the ship. Is, uh, is acting something that, that you've done outside of the realm of the Starship Farragut? No, it's not. I didn't even know that growing up I could even even be involved in acting. It wasn't something that I, I thought of. My background is, is, is more in marketing and business development. Um, it wasn't until I started seeing work like Exer, that was the inspiration for me, was seeing the, that web series um, that, that kind of drove this. But I, I loved Star Trek even as a kid. I mean, we, we built a whole bridge set in our basement we we built a shuttle craft out of a wagon. We used laser tag guns as phasers, and I used duct tape to cut out the Enterprise Delta. And we bought, I think, colored sweatshirts, red, blue, and and yellow at Walmart or or something. And we we make we just used our imagination. We played this as a kid with my family, and it was just something that has always stayed with me. Um, so after seeing the Exeter um, web series project, I kind of took that on for Farragut. Now, do now. what came first? Was it the idea that you were going to be the captain and then you built your involvement around that? Or were you involved on the production side, getting it together, and by default you said, you know what, I think I could do this whole captain thing? Well, I, I think from the get-go, I was, I was wanting to be the captain. I mean, I never saw myself as Kirk. I never... Um, I mean, as a kid, obviously, I, I played the role of, of Kirk with my brothers. My brother... Uh, would play Spock, and we had. I have. I have a big family, so um, one brother was Spock, and the other one was McCoy, and then the other one that we did not like, he was either Ohura or the Klingon um, that we when we would play. So you know, you're not liked if you're 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 fashioned as Ohura or as a Klingon. And um, but in terms of acting, never thought about it that much, and and didn't even think about it. But certainly when I thought of the the Farragut project, I I, I wanted to take on the role as the captain. And I tried to make him very distinguishable from Kirk. I mean, um, he has facial hair. He, he's groomed differently. Um, his leadership style is much different than Kirk. He doesn't run down to sick bay. He doesn't run down to engineering when there's a problem. He usually calls on his department heads. He, he defers to them. So a lot of the, and I was in, when I was in the service and then civilian work, I was in roles of management and supervising employees. So I tried to take a lot of my own experiences, and even in the military, things that I observed, and I tried to apply it towards our series. It, it's got a little bit of a different flavor um, than than. Tra- I would I would say that we even have our own signature for a series. And now, Paul, we, yeah. um, I, I know that you you've been involved as an actor, but this uh, um, you've also taken on some some writing duties and even uh, above and beyond. Tell us about that. Well, you know what? Um, I, I just, it's one of the things that when you get involved with, with an original group of characters like, you know, working with the Starship Farragut guys, um, it's, it's one of my outlets, you know, in addition to my acting is writing. So when I start seeing this universe that John wants to create and just listening to him talk about, you know, this, the world that he thinks that these characters inhabit and, and the personality traits that they have that are different than um, the, you know, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy characters, it, 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 it really brings me to the forefront of wanting to tell a story with them. Here's this Captain Carter character. He's not Kirk. He's very different. He has a different management style. I want to talk about that. I want to do stuff with that. You know, so I kind of got inspired with it. For the first time, I would say, yeah, I wrote the original pilot for Farragut, but that was something I had never written before. But the first real great piece of writing, I think, that I'm most proud of, I did was the episode that they filmed uh, a couple of years ago, The Price of Anything, because I always liked Star Trek with the morality tales, you know, when they would talk about social issues and things like that. And so when I, want, I decided I wanted to try to write something for Farragut that did that. And I thought, hey, you know, let's talk about a social issue. Let's talk about divorce and the effect on families. And that kind of was their inspiration for that. And I thought, you know, Captain Carter's the perfect character for this. You know, Captain Kirk, you know, would be like, you're my dad, you know, whatever, get away from me. But, you know, Carter has a more human side to him in a lot of ways. So I thought, you know, putting him in that kind of a situation would give us a chance to address it. So the characters kind of inspire the writing, and I think that's what you're really going to start to see now with my next one, The Crossing. 
Now, one of the things that I that that just is just friggin' amazing about this is that the aesthetic, the 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 way that it looks, absolutely looks uh, like it was lifted from. I mean, you, you could look at screenshots, and if you don't look carefully, m- you think maybe you're seeing a screenshot from from the original TV show. Um, and this is to say, look, everyone who listens to this show knows that original Trek is not my favorite one. Um, uh, and that I'm absolutely a DS9 fan. And uh, as you and I have debated endlessly, Paul, um, I'm a fan of all of it, including uh, including New Trek. Um, I kind of like it all. Um, but that being said, uh, there's something that is just uh, just irreplaceable about that original aesthetic. And I would say, I would go as far as to say that uh, you guys pull it off as well, if not better, than DS9 was able to pull it off when they jumped back into uh, into that timeline. I mean, there's a real authenticity to the lighting. I mean, down to the the, the most minute detail, the the authenticity of it is there. Uh, what do you go through to? Uh, and I guess I'll pose this one to John. What do you go through to to make sure that it matches like that? Well, I, th- that credit is owed to Mike Bednar, who who plays on our series. He's one of the other executive producers of Starship Farragut. He, um, he, is our, uh, he is the director of studio operations and a lot of the set construction that we've done, it, it's, it falls under his belt. And I would say that we, you know, we had something to work with and it was just recreating. It wasn't something that we had to design anything new. It was already out there. So a lot of screen grabs, a lot of reference material, we were able to get blueprints actual set construction blueprints and work off that. Um, the, the attention to detail and just accuracy. I mean, to tell you that there have been arguments about paint swatches and the um, the dividers on the bulkhead, whether or not they were one inch or using a two-by-four, and we then later came to the agreement that it was a two-by-four, and then take all those sets apart to make it right. And I mean, to me, no one had ever complained about a bulkhead divider, but evidently the accuracy that Mike and his team wanted, they went through and they dismantled and they reasserted the dividers. And that tells you something. That tells you that the level of effort and the love for the show and, and to be accurate. I mean, not only is it a, a worthy film set, and to me, that was just fine. I, for me, it was all about the aesthetics and, and overall presentation, you know, in terms of even the Exeter sets, when I saw that originally, a lot of those sets are not well constructed. Um, you know, Jim Johnson was smart enough to know that 80% of what you build, only a small percentage of that actually translates on film. So it's the overall aesthetics of the presentation, if you, if you will. Now, Mike and his team have, like I said, they've not only built a film-worthy set, they've made it into a museum, and so it's both. So when we, it's great to film on because you get that sense of what it was really like walking down the corridor almost 50 years ago and and playing on those sets. Um, It also adds a level of value to people that come to our open house events, which we have every year, Farragut Fest, which we started our Studio One facility down in the um, Camden County area, we took possession of in December of 2008. And in April of 2009, we held our first open house event. And we didn't have a full bridge. I think um, we had some of the sets that we had. So the captain's corridor, a part of a corridor. We had a shuttlecraft set. We had some other stuff and, and a turbo lift set. We, in terms of our bridge set, we just started to build it out. And we had the captain's chair and the helmet navigation console. And that was pretty much it. But we shared it with everyone at the time. And we just, we were able to get more and more volunteers that came in. But to, for, and, and since then, every year in December, we have an open house. And we have it December 6th and 7th of this year. And people can, as you point out, the level of accuracy and detail, it's just, it's it's just it's just eye dropping. It's it's just I can't even find the right words to articulate it. But it is an experience that if you go, you you will. It's like Mecca. Any any um, worth any valuable um, viable Star Trek fan needs to make this pilgrimage once in their lifetime. They need to go to Farragut Film Studio and and see those sets. Well, and of course we've we've been down there and shot uh, some of the Trek Off movie down there, and uh, it is um, 
it's an emotional experience, uh, without okay, a doubt. The, the, the uh, footage that you got, Justin, of Alexia, which you walked on those sets for the first time, is it's got to be one of the most priceless things ever caught on celluloid. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's you know, we we are a comedy podcast, you know, clearly, and we 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 do a lot of funny and a lot of gro- gross out humor and stuff, and that, there's a lot of in the movie, but um, those are real tears when she's walking oh, yeah. in there. That they, they are. Um, it is. It is. Uh, I, I commented, and I don't know if this is going to actually make the film, but um, that it's uh, for a lot of us. That's not a starship. That's a time machine. That's uh, that's that's something that brings you back to to when you were young, to when you were getting home at at by five o'clock to make sure that you turned on channel twenty because you know Star Trek was going to be on, and and you know you race through your homework, and uh, you know we're all in our thirties and forties now, and being back there. I was I was thirteen again. Um, yeah, true. You know, it's true. And that's so, good, that's very good. And you know, another thing, kind of tying back into the accuracy. I mean, Mike and Greg Green and Royal Weaver, Dan Scanlon, all those guys that work on those sets. It essentially, when you think about it, because you made me when you said time machine, what we're doing isn't much different than reenactment actors, Civil War reenactment actors. That um, the attention to detail. Um, when we filmed our second film for One of a Nail and trying to get people that did all that reenactment acting, whether it was Civil War or American Revolutionary War, these people are like Star Trek nuts as fans as well. They're just as nutty about the details and attention to detail like eyeglass wear from the um, 1800s and just their, their uniforms. The people that we got involved in our second film to be actors and background extras they were just very much particular about stuff as we were about Star Trek stuff. And um, so, yeah, it is, it is a time machine. Um, it's very nostalgic to walk through. It's, it's, we were, we've tried very hard to get those sets right in every detail. And um, it's taken many years to build what you see, um, a lot of time and effort, not just money. It's a lot of labor and blood, sweat, and tears that those guys have built. Early in our early days, my dad helped with some of the sets, and Paul has helped build those sets, and then Mike. It's been um, a labor of love, a true labor of love, all-volunteer group of people that just want to recreate the magic of Star Trek. Um, Paul, what... Because again, uh, um, John, Paul, and I have, have have watched a lot of Trek together, and we spent a lot of time discussing Trek and arguing Trek and yelling at each other about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, let me ask you, with uh, Paul, now that we're in an era where Star Trek is available again, uh, where you can watch Into Darkness and you can watch Star Trek Nine, and all of the series are on uh, on Netflix. Plus, there's a ton of fan stuff out there. Uh, what do you want to say? To the people who are listening to this, who are fans of our show, who are just hearing about uh, your show for the first time, um, what, why, why should they come to you? Not, I guess, as opposed to everything else. Certainly, they should watch everything. But if they only have limited time, uh, why is yours the one that they should go see? Well, you know, first off, you know, it's an entire universe. I mean, this would be like saying I read the Incredible Hulk, but I'm not going to look at the rest of Marvel comics. You know, there's an entire universe of possibilities, entire universe of characters, an entire universe of ideas and stories there. So just like the comics, it shouldn't be limited to the tales of just one character, or in the case of, say, the Enterprise, just one ship. There's so much more out there. There's so much more to see. And for people who like Star Trek in the essence of what Star Trek is, this is the direction that Farragut goes. These are folks who love the essence of what makes Star Trek, Star Trek. It's not about stunt casting of celebrities. And there's nothing wrong with a lot of these, you know, Trek shows that have managed to get, you know, some of the Star Trek celebrities. I, I commend them for doing it. I think it's wonderful. But Farragut's not been about, you know, let's get a cameo from a celebrity. Farragut's not been about, hey, we're going to go, you know, and try to make something that's bigger than anything had ever happened before. That's not it. It's about what is Star Trek? What is the basis of Star Trek? The basis is good storytelling in that universe. And that's what these guys are doing. They're telling good stories in that universe. Good, consistent stories. As a matter of fact, they get better every episode. One of the things about Farragut is the level of commitment that they have shows improvement from each episode to the next. So if you can watch an older episode of Farragut and go, I enjoyed that, then you have to watch the next one. 
because it's better. And then you have to watch the one after that because it's even better than that. There's so much to offer. And in that universe, Farragut is the only group that not only does live-action episodes, shorts, animated episodes, and a comic book. Who does all of that? One of the things that, uh, that, and it's funny you say, uh, um, the idea of, of another group of people, and I, I, uh, it's just because it's big on my mind. Yesterday, there's a new, there's a new uh, world of Star Wars that just uh, opened yesterday um, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, which there's a new show called Star Wars Rebels um, that's an animated show that, uh, that I watched. And uh, I started getting really jazzed for one. First of all, um, side note, it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. so everyone, everyone should check it out. But one of the things that, that I noted about watching that show, um, right before it started was I was excited that it was the first new Star Wars since episode one. And what I meant by that was episode one, Star Wars episode one, like it or hate it, introduced you to Qui-Gon and Amidala and, and uh, that whole world. And episodes two and three and the Clone Wars, everything that came afterward, is sort of an extension of that. Um, yeah. You know, it's still the adventures of Anakin and Obi-Wan. And it's all that, like it or hate it, I thought the Clone Wars was brilliant. I was really sad when it went away. Um, but this new show is not an extension of anything. Um, it's uh, It's a risky thing that they did that it's a bunch of other people who are between episodes three and four. And yes, you see briefly a hologram of Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Outside of that, there's not a single familiar character in the Well, pilot. you know what, what works about that is look at this, look at the Star Wars expanded universe novels. Look at the success they have been. Why? Mara Jade doesn't appear anywhere in the films. Yet there are books and books and books that follow that character within the Star Wars universe. Why not? It's a big I, universe. And what I love about that is it, 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 it not only opens up stories for Farragut, but just gives you a, a wider and a deeper view of, uh, of the Star Trek. Certainly when Next Gen and DS9 were both on the air, it was cool to think that they were both happening at the same time you know, in the same space. Um, so let me, let me ask you this question then. Where does Farragut, and I'll ask this to John, where does Farragut fall in terms of the original series timeline, like right now, the the show that you want to that, that that you're trying to get made, um, where would that fall if it were placed in a chronology next to the original series? Oh, it, it would be around season three, season four. Um, we, we our series started with season three of, of classic Star Trek. And are are there any are, are there any continuations of of stories that begin in what is maybe you don't have an original series character, but is there a side character that crosses that you have a new actor playing? Does that ever happen for you? Well, we haven't. We didn't want to. We didn't use any particular actor in terms of replacing a character. I felt like well, there's we can we're we're smart enough, we're savvy enough that if if a character were to leave, we can certainly have another character replace. Um, his his role his his shoe. I mean, Starfleet, like the military, there's always people coming and going, transitioning from different ships, different duty stations. So there was never a need to like it. Like when Paul Seaver's character had left for a time. I mean, there's a big gap where we did not have a chief of security. Um, we just introduced Weston in the last film, Conspiracy of Innocence, and Paul's last film was um, the was for one of a nail. So from 2007 to um, 2013, we had a, we had a bit of a gap. So, and we, so um, another point that you made me think of that Paul kind of said about what's different about our series compared to other ones. He mentioned the fact that we we encompass all forms of media, whether it's animated episodes, comic, film shorts, live action, like the full feature type stuff. Also, the thing that he mentioned that I kind of wanted to expound on again was. We, in, in terms of true track, and he hit on some of the marks, some of the things that also, in addition to not using the money, I mean, we could have we could have brought in celebrity. We could have brought in other Star Trek alumni. But I felt that that money, whether it be 10 grand or 4 grand, whatever, could be used to, one, augment our sets, two, bring in new, better camera equipment, and, and three, there are other 
Star Trek fans that are actors, and why not showcase them? Why not give them an opportunity that they may not have otherwise? So we have people like Frank Hernandez and Gina Hernandez who are working in the, the industry, and, and people like Dan Collis and Eve Gideon and, and Paul himself, who's worked on many, many projects um, locally and otherwise. But allow those people that have acting chomps but also love the show allow them the ability to be to be showcased and shined in their own right. So that's why we haven't used celebrities. And I think the core of Star Trek is the storytelling and the characters. And we tried really to do that, not do the fanboys. A lot of the episodes that that are using the Crook, Spock, and McCoy concept, they do a lot of fanboy stuff, and that's great. But I feel like there's so much space is vast. There's a lot of different planets yet to be discovered, a lot of alien races, um, yet to be seen, a lot of phenomena yet to be encountered. So why not, you know, get back to the heart of Star Trek? And then, you know, there's there, we've, we tackle the issues of the father and son relationship. Um, there's also um, other concepts that, you know, social, social, um, in, in classic Star Trek, there were a lot of issues that dealt with a lot of contemporary news, social issues. And our next film after this has, has been written um, or is in the process of being written by Jack Trevino. And it's one of those social commentaries. So we'll, we, we want to try to do new episodes of Star Trek that get back to the core of what the show is about. So I just uh, wanted to hit on that. Well, one of the things I, I want to ask, and I guess I'll start with John and then jump over to Paul for this, is uh, – uh, a lot of people, when they when they get off this, are going to go check out your uh, Kickstarter. Um, and uh, certainly you can go on Kickstarter and search for, for Starship Farragut. Um, that's F-A-R-R-A-G-U-T if you want to go there. Um, and they're going to find that, oh, you've met your goal. Look at you. You met your goal. So my question is, you you budgeted out um, and you, you set your goal and you got to your goal. Um, what is... Uh, what is the the reason? Because I I know the answer at least what it was for me getting above and beyond. Uh, what yeah. what will you do now with the 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 additional funds that you can raise? Because there's a lot that that you can do. I'm wondering where your plan is. Good question, Justin. Well, to answer to answer that, um, the first stretch goal that we had was 18k, and that was to do some things. The 15k was the bare bones minimum that we needed to make in order to make the film that included the all the fees associated with Amazon Kickstarter um, the fees or the monies that need to be allocated for doing the perks and then this is what it costs to make the film and it's not only production it's also post-production so when you think about it uh, it's it's not a lot of money uh, certainly a lot of money to us because we've been paying out of our own pocket for the last 10 years but in terms of some of these other grander projects it, and, and, and scale that, there's a huge disparity. And it's not a lot in terms of making this film. And it's going to be, a, I think, a good even par to those type of films. Um, the, so the, the, the first stretch goal was allow us to enhance the current film. The 25K goal, our second stretch goal, actually is going more towards the overall Starship Farragut project. And there's some things that we're trying to do in 2015, and if we're successful and we're able to bank that extra 10, we'll be set. And we've got a lot of we've got a lot of motivation now. I think in part due to this Kickstarter campaign, and and just working this, and just looking, what do we want to do in 2015? So there's a roadmap of projects, and that 25k will allow us to continue to bring Star Trek, whether it be Farragut or through another project out there to you. And it's also to get back to our grassroots. Because we're a nonprofit, a labor of love, we've got a lot of volunteers. No one came together with the expectation that they were going to be compensated. Um, there's no reward of you know, compensation there. And, and a lot of the other projects do compensate people. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that we did not come together with any kind of financial reward in mind or in any kind of hidden agenda. Um, it was all the love and labor of this this show. And we want to get back to our grassroots. We want to get back to having fun with this project like we used to. And, and there's some things that we want to do. And securing the other 10K will will ensure that. Well, let me let let me jump in as as uh, and we talked about this before we started uh, recording the podcast. Um, to those of you who are seeing, and, and especially those of you who have not worked uh, in 
uh, in production, um, you're going to see a number that you're going to go, oh, 18,000. That's what I make in half a year. That, that's a ton. 25,000. Are you kidding? That's a ton of money. Let me say, as, uh, as someone who's made three and a half films now, um, that is barely anything. That is, uh, everybody is, everybody's eating pizza every day because all you can afford is the Domino's 555 deal. That is, that, that, that is, that, that is, um, having to, uh, give gas money only to the people who could absolutely not make it to set otherwise and begging people to find ways that is still, um, I can say that, that off the books on all of my films, I end up spending probably anywhere between five and 10,000 just out of pocket because there are, everybody needs to have Taco Bell today. So you just go do it. Um, uh, I will be the first to say that, um, the level of production value, um, Considering how many people need to travel, considering how uh, how much needs to happen, considering uh, the the quality that you can see on this, it is nothing. Deep Space Nine was spending a million dollars an episode plus. This is nothing, and what they what they pump out looks like a million bucks. And so, to anybody who's thinking, "Well, they made through seventeen, I guess they'll be fine," you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it because the other thing that happens is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paul and John, um, uh, let's say you do get more than you need for the budget. Does that not jump straight into your ability to make future episodes and add to the add to the Star Trek Pantheon? Absolutely. And let, let me expand. And I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you can, you can relate to that in terms of the expenses involved. Um, it's not only the episodes themselves, but I mean, if you think about the building itself, there's a lease that's associated, there's expenses with the building that we have. And we have, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the largest facility of freestanding Star Trek on planet Earth. And there's a lot of expenses associated with that. Now, we had a smaller facility that was about 3,000 3, square feet, and we were happy with that. Um, it's not about the having all this stuff. What it is about is sharing. And, Fer- and Farragut Films, from day one, has shared whatever it has with people. We provide DVDs. When we go to um, conventions, we give out DVDs for free. We gladly take donations, but we give it for free. We bring costume swatches. We give all of our stuff away. We don't charge people for anything. We have had Farragut Fest, an open house event, since day one that we've been able to have it, where we've opened up our sets free of the public. No other group has done that. There's another group that is now starting to do that, but we've been doing that since 2009, 2008 time frame. So we are about sharing. And you know what? I've heard other groups say that they're professional and, and it's not a fan film. Well, you know what? We are a fan film, and we're damn proud to put out Starship Farragut, Farragut Fest, and all these other things for you. And we've got a lot of other things that we're also looking to put out, including Farragut Ford, which is the... TOS movie era where we're transposing the characters 15 years forward from the Starship Farragut universe. We also have another project called Trek Isolation, which some of the characters from the Starship Farragut in TOS are going to go, they're going to be reassigned, they're going to go to a different ship, and there's some things, and it kind of ties into Paul's character because the Eric uh, Moran, Eric the Smoke Moran, his character Jericho actually replaces uh, Prescott when he leaves. So, and then we're, we're doing something with him. So I think, you know, just kind of expanding on that, we are, we are fan film. We are for fans. We share, and, um, we, we do take a professional approach to everything, but for a lot of us, this is a creative outlet and the expenses that are there, this 18 K and, and for people that may be sitting back, well, you know what? The building costs a lot. There's the electricity, there's utilities, um, there's expenses, just, Everything that we do, we've been pretty much putting together out of our own pockets, but we've been providing it f- since day one to folks for free. Now, let me, ask you this, to- let, let, me, let me ask you this question, because there are two kinds of Kickstarter donors, both of whom are absolutely great. But let's say I'm the other kind who's like going, well, this is all terribly fascinating, guys, but I don't really give two shits about what you're doing with it. Um, what do I get? What can I get? So let me ask you, if I'm, and, and uh, we haven't heard from Paul in a while, so I want to I hear from both of you, but what, you know, if, if I'm going to go, let's, gosh, I got a, I, I got a hundred bucks burning a hole in my pocket and I want to get something awesome. What awesome sorts of things can people get uh, for, for donating to Farragut? 
Oh, I tell you what, there are so many different perks. We have perks from uh, props that are screen used, costumes that are screen used, new costumes, um, uh, fabric swatches, um, patches, um, uniform insignia from the Mirror Universe, um, autographed pictures, um, compilation CD soundtracks. Farragut, unlike a lot of other fan films, has a completely original score composed every episode by Hederen, the composer up in Canada. Um, a, a CD compilation of the music from almost every episode that he's composed, um, DVDs, uh, you name it. I mean, there are perks in so many different areas, all the way up to you getting yourself an appearance on screen. There's actually a couple of slots left for that, where someone can make a big enough donation. They get themselves on screen in uniform, and they get to keep the uniform. No, you that's, can't beat that. That that I mean that that's uh, honestly, from my point of view, um, is 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 tempting as it is. What uh, um what is the is what is the perk that people have been uh, most uh, most excited to get? Let's say let's say right around that that impulse buy that twenty to fifty dollar perk level. What can uh, uh, I'll post this one to John? John, what can what can they get without without hurting too much in the pocketbook? Ask the question and one more time, please. Um, uh, right around that impulse buy level, that twenty to fifty dollar level. What you know? What can what can people expect if they're if they're just going to go ahead and instead of going out to dinner, going out to Starbucks, they're going to go ahead and give it give it to Farragut. What can what can they get for that? Well, we do have some perks, and there's quite a few on the twenty five to thirty level. We have a, a compilation CD of all of our music, all original music um, that's available. We have um, I think there's some mirror mirror badge chest chest badges, the dagger through the earth that are available for people. We still have some of those, and those will be screen used to all of our backers. Um, I think there's some Klingon knives, the daggers that, or not that Klingon knives, the mirror mirror daggers that are also available. Those might be at the, the $50 range, but we, there's quite a few at the $25, 30 level, because that's the basic threshold that most Kickstarter backers um, kind of give. And uh, we, if you go to our Kickstarter page, you can see on the right-hand side, you can scroll down and see the level of perks for that range. I guess you know, the... If, uh, if, I, if I, may, I may interject one thing really quick here, I'd just like to note something about the Kickstarter campaign. You're looking at about 250 people have donated to Starship Farragut, and you're looking at raising right now, it's a little over 18, it's a bit, about 18 and a half right now, uh, last time I checked. But if you look at the majority of donors... Starship Fairgate is kind of the grassroots of this kind of production. You look at the majority of donors, they're all under $50. So, I mean, you're talking about something that appeals to a large number of people. You go into one of the other big Star Trek uh, fan productions, the ones that are raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, you've got people on there that they have met that are donating five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000. You don't have that here. This is the grassroots. This is like a political campaign where you have, something, you have Grandma giving you $10 out of her pocket because she wants this guy to run for Congress. That's what Fairgate means to people. So, so if, if Farragut means nothing to me yet, and I am intrigued at what I've heard on the Trek Off podcast here, where can I go um, to see what Farragut's all about, to see what you've already got out there? Where, where can I see what already exists to see if this is something I want to give to? Well, if you go to www.starshipfarragut.com, you can download for free every episode of Starship Farragut with a link to the two animated episodes and the comic book. And how, how many episodes total do we have now, John? What was, um, again, I, I'm having some sound issues with... <laughs> how, many, how many episodes uh, total do we have? I guess what I'm, that what I'm trying to get to is, is how many hours of entertainment can I go get for free right now? I would say about 15 hours. We have um, two animated episodes, that 30, 30 minutes each, that's one hour. Our first film pilot was hour and a half. Second... No, the first film was 50 minutes. Second film was hour and a half. Um, we did two, uh, four film shorts, three or four film shorts. Um, one we did over again the same tr same episode, just to increase the quality of it. And those were about 22 minutes each. And then we've done Price of Anything that was um, about 40 minutes. The second one, Conspiracy of Innocence, another 40 minutes. Maybe I maybe that's probably not 15, but certainly. A lot of, a lot of content um, spanning all types of genre, whether it be animated episodes, comic book, the live action film shorts. We've put out over the last ten years a lot of good quality content. That, like Paul said, we've progressed, we've gotten better with each film, and um, 
And it's all been done out of our own wallets. You know, we we we're not, we haven't been asking for folks for money up until recently. So, um, and we have this great Star Trek museum for folks to check out. So. Um, well, I, w- I, I wanted to uh, – um, uh, the reason I want to especially have you guys on the show is that uh, you've opened your doors to us. You've opened your home to us, um, and uh, a great way for uh, our fans to say thank you uh, would be to support you guys. So um, anyone who's listening, uh, that's starshipfarragut.com. Um, uh, go on Kickstarter. Search for Starship Farragut. You can find them on Facebook. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been John Broughton. And uh, Paul Sieper, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. thank you very much for having us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, www.starshipfarragut.com and Kickstarter, Starship Farragut, The Crossing. Very good. Uh, uh, there is there is a saying, if you're comfortable saying it, that uh, Alexia likes to end every show with. So uh, to her, uh, would you mind saying uh, Trek Off, bitches? Go ahead, John. you got to do it. Trek, trek Off, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right, so that was the interview. Alexi is back. Say hi. Say hi. Hi. Um, uh, come see us in New York. Uh, donate to Starship Farragut. Um, uh, uh, New York, New York, New York. Uh, thank you. Sorry we took so long to get these two out. Uh, um, thanks again because this is the same night we recorded David, David Sovaloff. So let's just mention his name one more time for the great episode. If you don't know David, who? Who's David Sovaloff? Go to trekoffpodcast.com and, and look at the episode immediately before this one. Yeah. Because uh, you will not be sorry. It is an amazing listen. Um, uh, trekoffmovie.com is our trailer. Uh, and my name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. Trek off. Trek off, bitches. So you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek off to put in my ear hole to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over a hundred hours of Trek off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. Trekoffmovie.com, trekoffpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and trek off.